Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Noel. I am part of the uh, preaching team here at C3 in Kelowna. We are finishing up our series on You Can't Get There From Here, this uh, awesome graphic up here. Now, I want to start off. How many of you have one of these? Two of you, apparently. All right, let's try that again. How many of you have one of these? Yeah, right? Okay, everybody has one of these. Uh, I want to, how many of you have ever used your map on your phone? Yeah? Okay. Uh, if, you have, if you have the map, if you have data, you have the map, you, you probably have tried to navigate to somewhere. I travel a fair bit, right? So uh, because I travel, I have to, with my job, I have to, I have to go and find certain places, and the map on this thing uses, uh, helps me all the time. So uh, for instance, hey Google, navigate to the H2O Center. And it should pop up here now and give me a nice little map. Now, obviously, you might not be able to see it on the camera or anything like that, but that's okay. I just want to be able to see I've got the camera, and now I could just follow the map, and it will take me right to the H2O Center here in Kelowna. Now, there's more to this map than just the directions. This map shows me traffic flow. And if I'm looking at this, on this uh, it'll show me, it kind of shows a blue line, but when the traffic starts to get heavy, it goes yellow. And then where the traffic is stopped, it actually goes red. So I can see where there's actually traffic problems. It tells me actually when to leave. So if I want to actually get somewhere at a certain time, the map will tell me leave by such and such a time to arrive at this destination on time. So it knows, based on traffic patterns, it actually, actually even has a little thing in the bottom corner that knows what the speed limit on the road is at the time. And if I drive faster than the speed limit, it'll actually have another little indicator that pops up next to it that glows red, saying I'm going too fast, because my car apparently doesn't have one of those already in it, but <laughs> it does that for me on the phone. So it, it actually can give me a lot of different information at any time and help me get where I need to go on time and do the right thing. And we all use this. How many of you trust the map on your phone? 80%. 80%. (laughs) Yeah, most of the time. Anybody ever tried to use this in Calgary? It's not very good in Calgary. (laughs) Not very good in Calgary. One time, actually I was going to to Vancouver and uh, my wife and I were actually going to Vancouver one time and we got up about halfway up the, uh, the Okanagan connector, and the map, Google Maps, popped up with a notification, and it actually said, uh, there is a slowdown up ahead. Would you like to take an alternate route? Now, if you've ever taken the, the connector to, uh, to Vancouver, you know, there's not a lot of alternate routes from the connector. And I'm thinking to myself, Alternate route? I've done this road how many times? I've never seen an alternate route before. What are you talking about? And I thought, well, I'm not in a particular hurry to get there, so yeah, why not? Let's go on an adventure. So I hit yes, and sure enough, like about a kilometer up the road, it turns us on this road. 
and we turn, and it's a dirt road. Google Maps took us on a dirt road, yeah. and we take this dirt road around the mountain, and we get all the way down, we bypassed Merritt entirely, we get onto the Coquihalla, and we get, now what we didn't know was that just earlier on the Coquihalla, from where we turned on from this dirt road, a wildfire had broken out. And Google Maps took us on this dirt road around the wildfire, and there was a whole lot of other cars that were driving on the connector at the same time that we were that didn't listen to the little voice that said, hey, would you like to take an alternate route? We're gonna get you where you need to go. And they got stuck in traffic waiting for hours, and then eventually had to turn around and go home. Because the, connect, because the Coquihalla got closed for two days. And we were able to get through, get around that wildfire, and actually make it to Vancouver, make it to our destination, which was pretty cool. Our scripture that we're going to be uh, focusing on today is uh, Galatians 5.18. And it says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses part, I mean, that was the Old Testament and whatnot. But if we're going to give today a title, if we're going to give our message today a, a title, the title is going to be this. Use your GPS before you need the tow truck, right? We probably want to rely on our directions before we need to, we get stuck in the ditch somewhere. So I'm just gonna pray and then we're gonna get into what we're, what we're gonna talk about today. Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, and I just, I just want to ask right now, let my words this morning, what we share here today, be your words. If it's not your words, I don't want to share it. I don't want anything, we don't want anything that comes across here to be anything but what your word says, and, and we want it to affect the lives and go into the hearts of everyone who hears it, whether in this room or online, anyone who listens to it after today. Lord, we just thank you so much, and we just pray that it would go and make an impact and draw people closer to you. In Jesus' name. So in this series, in this idea of you can't get there from here, we've covered a whole lot of topics. Uh, in our first week, Pastor Dave defined the performance trap, the idea that uh, we had to achieve or attain certain performance levels or goals in order to be good enough in God's eyes. That was what was going to get us into heaven. Then uh, the following week, Bob, uh, I don't know where Bob went. He, he was right here just a moment ago. Oh, he's in the kids' church. Uh, Bob was showing us how that trying to follow rules and trying to be good enough on our own only leads to sort of like a frustration. It leads us to feeling like we're not good enough, right? Last week, Pastor Josiah shared that there are ditches on either side of right relationship with God, right? Legalism and license. This week... Well, we've, we've actually talked a lot about this idea of legalism over the last few weeks. We've really talked about this uh, legalism, this idea that, 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 well, really, have we defined what legalism is? From a secular, non-Christian point of view, uh, legalism is this excessive adherence to law or formula. Here's a, I, I read this story, actually randomly came across this story, not even looking up for preparing for this. Last night, found this story about legalism. A great example of this. <laughs> this guy 
uh, in, this is a US story because they still have pennies. You'll see why I mean this in a second. Um, this guy in the US, he gets a bill. He's moved out of his, his uh, complex. He gets a bill from his strata corporation for two cents. He thinks this is ridiculous. And he grabs the bill. He takes two pennies from his counter, goes to the strata office with the bill, and says, here's my bill for two cents. I would like to give you my two pennies. He's kind of being a little bit facetious, but he's like, whatever, here's the two cents. The Strata Corporation manager says to him, I'm sorry, but we do not take cash. <laughs> and he says, well, what am I supposed to do? We only take check. Do you mean to tell me you want me to send you a check for two cents? We don't take cash. So he had to go and write them a check for two cents. That's legalism. It's not bending the rules. It's following the exact law or formula and not being willing to go any other way. Not being able to take the route that best suits the situation. From a Christian perspective, the idea of legalism is following the rules to make us right with God, that somehow you earn your salvation through doing good works by doing things. Maybe if I read my Bible enough, maybe if I do enough, maybe if I do good works enough, that'll get me into heaven. Maybe that'll be enough. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things that God does require us to do, but that's not what we're, that's not what gets us into heaven. That's not what gets us into relationship with God. Have you ever heard someone say something like, when I get to heaven, I really hope that he lets me in because I've been a good person. I've tried not to hurt anybody. You ever heard somebody say that before? Well, that whole idea of, well, I hope he lets me in because I've been a good person, that actually comes from an idea of legalism. That comes from that idea of like, oh, I've, I've tried to be a good person. Well, it's my works, right? I've, I've tried to do enough to get in. If you think about it, in the whole Bible, there's one single criteria to getting into heaven. One criteria. There's one single thing that gets you into heaven in the whole Bible. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the only criteria in the whole Bible. All right. In the very first session that we had, Pastor Dave said that he is a rule follower. He likes it when people follow the rules of the road. He, this is what he, what he said. He likes it when people follow the rules of the road. Um, and he pointed out this one thing. He said, when people signal correctly in the roundabouts. Yeah, come on. Right? Now, me, I'm not a rule follower. Okay? I mean, honestly, does anybody know what the right signals are in a roundabout? Like, no one does. Nobody knows. <laughs> My kids, my kids and I argue about this. They're both like, they're getting their licenses. And we argue about this as we're going to our round roundabouts. There's one like a block from our house. And it's like, nobody knows. Traffic laws, though, they exist for a reason, right? And they're important. Rules are important. But I'm the, like, the traffic laws that keep people safe. But I'm the person that I question why rules exist. Like, I'm, I'm the guy that I'm always going, well, why? You know, Highway 33, you're coming down Highway 33 from, to, like, if you're coming from Big White, you're coming down Highway 33. That last section, as you come down the hill, you go from 60 or from 80 to 50. Yeah. 
and you're like, this is a four-lane highway. Why do we go 50? I was actually driving it the other day, coming down from Beaverdale. I'm, I hit that 50 section. I'm thinking to myself, why is this 50? This is such a horrible section of road. Why am I going 50? And as I'm riding, driving around this corner, going 50, I look over, and there's a guy. There's one single driveway on that corner, and there's a guy in that driveway on his lawn, mowing his lawn. I'm like, it's your fault. <laughs> so I'm going by, it's your fault. <laughs> You're the guy. You're the reason why I'm driving 50 around here. But, that's, but it's there because of his safety. If he's got to pull out, that's there to protect him, right? At a previous church, um, I used to be a youth pastor at a youth previous church. Pastor there told me that she, she found working with me frustrating because I was always asking why. Why are we doing this? Why are we, doing, why are we going that way? Why are we doing the event this way? Why are we having it over there? I will always ask why. Because my heart was like, is this where God wants us to be? Is this what God wants? Is this what God is asking us to do? That was always my heart to do. And, but it was always like, she always kind of took it as like, it's a challenge. Like, just, just because I said so, that's why, right? And it's not anything wrong with that, but just, I'm always that guy that's always asking questions. I don't think I would have done very well in ancient Israel. I don't do well with legalism, with like following all the rules. Anytime a legalistic viewpoint is brought up, I'm the guy that kind of questions everything. I'm the guy that kind of goes, pushes back a little bit. And the laws of the Old Testament are very legalistic, very rigid, very like, you know, you have to do exactly this. You have to have exactly this many bells on the bottom of your garment and like everything. I would be the guy that I would have been having to bring a whole lot of sacrifices. <laughs> like, I wonder if there was like a walk of shame to the altar. <laughs> the priest would probably know me by name. He'd be like, hey, Noel, it's kind of a big bull you got this week. What'd you do this time? <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> Growing up, I would question rules, and I, I don't believe that rules are wrong. I don't believe that rules are bad. I, some of them are very good, and, and there's an amazing teaching series by Andy Stanley uh, called Guardrails. I don't know if anybody's ever taken the series. It's a very, very excellent series. It talks about rules being guardrails, and they stop you from going over the edge. They stop you like guardrails on the side of the road when you're driving, you know? You don't wanna, you know, you, you don't wanna need the guardrail until you need the guardrail, yeah. right? And it's, it's an awesome, awesome teaching series. But let me tell you a little story about this. Years ago, I had an employee who was, let's just say very difficult, okay? I was a very young manager. I'd never managed people before. Uh, one particular day, he was absolutely just not doing anything that I asked him to do. And he was just the guy that was just going to tell me outright, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I asked him, we were emailing back and forth, literally like, like across the wall from each other, but we're emailing. And I'm emailing him saying, please do this. And he would just email me back, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm like, that's your job, please do it. No, I'm not gonna do that. That's our, that was our thing. Finally, I just got so frustrated I got up and I walked into his, like, to his office door and I, and I just confronted him about it and I just said, like I was mad at this point, I'm just like, will you please just do your job? He got mad, he stood up. Now I stood in his doorway and he stood up and he wanted to leave and I blocked him from leaving. And he walked up to me and he put his hand on my chest 
and he pushed me back, just pushed me to step back, and he left. And there are rules in my workplace around preventing an employee from leaving. Now, I was clearly in the wrong. I was wrong. I absolutely should have stepped back and let him leave. The whole time, the Spirit of God was speaking to me saying, don't do this in anger. Don't, don't do this. Don't get up. Document things. Go get some air. Cool off. Document this. Get this all. Cover yourself. Get, the, get this right. I was having none of that. Okay? I have a couple of friends of mine. We, uh, I have two friends. <laughs> we can tell each other anything. And I have these conversations with them every so often where it's like, we'll, we, we have these conversations with each other, and it'll be like, you know, I did this thing. And the whole time I, I, I heard the Holy Spirit saying, don't do the thing. And I, and I said, I want to do the thing. And the Holy Spirit said, don't do the thing. And I, I said, I want to do the thing. And I did the thing. And now I wish I didn't do the thing. <laughs> well, that was the situation. I, I just wished I hadn't done, done the thing because... You know, I, I, I wasn't listening. Uh, the next day, I had cooled off. Both that employee and myself were called into the boss's office. And as we were getting pulled into the boss's office, uh, he, the, the employee, leans in, uh, leans over to me as we're walking into his office. And the employee looks at me as we're walking in, and he says, I'm going to have your job. as we're walking in. But as I walked in, I had my whole defense prepared. I had everything ready to go. We were going to have this. It was going to be World War VI. It was going to be crazy. And as I walked in, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit. He said to me, take responsibility. Apologize. I, so we sat down and the boss, uh, we sat down and, and boss looked at me first to get mine because I was the supervisor. He looked at me to get my, my take on it. The employee, he was like, you could see he was like fidgeting in his seat like he couldn't sit still. He was ready to like burst, like ready to just, well, no, it was a, and I just said, I was wrong. I should not have stood in the doorway. I shouldn't have prevented him from leaving. I was absolutely out of line, and I accept all responsibility for what happened. I accept any consequences of my actions, even if that means you have to fire me. I totally accept that, and I apologize sincerely. And I left it at that. The employee, his mouth just dropped open. He didn't know what to say. He was ready to argue. He was ready to fight. The boss sat there for what felt to me like six years. Like, he just sat there just thinking. <laughs> a few, uh, probably only maybe a few seconds, but he, he, a few, like just a little while later, he, he looked at us and he just, he let us off with a warning. That employee was transferred to another department uh, a few weeks later where eventually he ended up getting fired because of his behavior. 
a couple of years later, I was talking to our HR director, and she told me that that day when we were walking into the boss's office, the boss was going to fire both of us. I had ignored the guardrails. Weirdly, as a completely inexperienced manager, I had taken this license, you know, Pastor just I was talking about license and legalism. I had taken license, but somehow ended up in, le in a legalistic viewpoint of my way or the highway. And I wasn't, I was just so rigid with him and I wasn't in the right place. And the Holy Spirit had to be my tow truck and rescue me out of that ditch. I'm so glad, I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy. But the idea here is to stay out of the ditch in the first place, to not have to get stuck in that ditch. Fortunately, the method of staying out of the ditch, the method of, of staying out of the ditch of legalism and license, coincidentally, is the same method. It's the same thing. Years ago, when I was much younger, um, much, much younger, even younger than when I was a manager, when I was actually a kid, uh, my family was involved with a church group that was somewhat more strict. And this church group had a, had a desire to pursue holiness as a, as a philosophy, which I completely believe in. I believe holiness is an absolute thing. God is holy, and he must be regarded as such. If we want to spend time with him, we must treat him as holy. We have to, I, I believe in holiness, but I don't believe in it in terms of legalism. I believe it's his Holy Spirit that helps us that way. But this church group would sort of take things, in their effort to be in holiness, they would take things into that legalistic sort of viewpoint. So for, as an example, there was a certain point where um, I remember for a little while, uh, the girls in our, in our group were not allowed to wear pants for a while. That's a legalistic viewpoint, right? Or uh, there was a little while where at one point uh, girls were not allowed to cut their hair, right? Their hair couldn't be shorter than their shoulders, shoulder length or something like that. And that's, like, are they Christians? Sure. They love God. They, they, they want to please him. They want to, to serve him. They want to follow him. Seems like it. I mean, that, that seems reasonable. But those legalistic viewpoints have kind of hindered their ability to share and to, to proclaim the gospel. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like those, those things have become sort of a, a challenge for them to get past. Now, just to make it a little bit more personal for everybody, what is it in your own life that you're struggling with? What is it in your own life that you've been trying to be good enough with You've been holding yourself to, but you keep failing in. When are you, like, where you're trying to be good enough on your own, but you're not quite making it? Like, we all have that. We all have this thing inside. There's this, this something where we're trying to, well, if I can just get past this thing, then maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be able, God will accept me. God will, maybe then I'll get my healing. I'll be honest with you, for the last six weeks, I've been going through very much this. 
Six weeks ago, five weeks ago, five weeks ago, I woke up with one of the most painful headaches I've ever had in my life, beyond a migraine, beyond anything. It, it was so intense. I went down on the, on the couch, sat on the couch. I couldn't, put my, I couldn't rest my head on anything. Anything touched my face, touched my head, searing pain. I sat there on the couch just rocking back and forth, waiting for the pain for 17 hours, just waiting for the pain to dissipate. And for the past five, six weeks, I have just had days where it's just so intense. And there were days where I'm like, God, what do I need to do to get past this? Because there's this little legalistic thing inside my head. It's like, what am I doing wrong? Or what have I not done? Or what do, what do I need to do? And the other day, he said something so profound and so simple to me. And he just said this one thing. It was just, my mercy is as vast as my love. And I, I didn't understand it. I said, God, what do you mean by that? And he said, do you, remember the, do you remember the blind man sitting outside of Jericho when Jesus was leaving Jericho? Jesus left Jericho and the crowds were following him. And the blind man heard that Jesus was walking by. And the blind man said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And his request of Jesus having mercy on him was enough to move Jesus' compassion to heal him. It's such a beautiful thing. And it just brought my heart. There's nothing that the blind man had to do. It had nothing to do with his performance. It had nothing to do with his good enough or bad enough or anything like that. It was just, have mercy on me. I'm going a little off script here, but... <laughs> In Romans, when we think about ourselves and we think about how good we are at something, how, how we try to make it and we fail and it's like we, we try, to, try to do it on our own. In Romans chapter 7, Paul really gets into this for us. He, he goes really into this for us and he says this. He says uh, in chapter 7, we're going to start in verse, uh, what is it, 18 I think here. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And like Bob talked about a couple weeks ago, this is such a frustrating place to be in, isn't it? Have we all been there? We're feeling like, seriously, like, I'm, I want to do so good. I'm gonna, God, I'm never going to do this sin again. You, you forgive me, I'm never going to do this again. Five minutes later, what on earth? <laughs> How on earth did I do that again? I walked right into it, eyes wide open. It's, just, it's, it's so hard. You get stuck in the mud. Anybody ever felt that? Like you're stuck in the mud spinning your wheels as a Christian and you're just not going anywhere? I, I, countless times. I was telling somebody the other day, I've been a Christian for 40 years. 40 years. It's weird talking in decades, but 
I've been a Christian for 40 years. And, and I was telling this guy, I've been a Christian for 40 years. He goes, wow. I said, no, no, no. Don't assume that because I'm a Christian for 40 years that I'm a mature Christian. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm mature. You could be a Christian for a long time and still be a baby. Right? How about this? Have you ever heard a statement like this in a conversation about someone maybe who passed away? Maybe she didn't have enough faith. You ever heard somebody say something like that? Again, statement comes from a legalistic viewpoint that maybe there was something they needed to do, some bar they needed to reach, something they needed to attain to. But, you know, if only they had read their Bible enough, if only they had prayed enough, if only they had worshipped enough. But if you break it down, I mean, you think about that statement, maybe they didn't have enough faith. Doesn't that just sound like a completely judgmental statement? <laughs> How, who are we to make a statement like that? Who are we to say something like that? We don't know what the situation is. We have no idea. We can't do that. No matter what the situation, no matter how much we try to be the answer on our own, the further we go down this rabbit hole, the more complicated trying to navigate all of this becomes. Doesn't it feel like the more you try to think about, like, how do I be good enough? Like, how do I do all this? Like, how... How on earth do I ever get this right? Does that ever feel like pretty complicated to anybody? It does to me all the time. And that is the trap of legalism. It bogs you down. It makes you so burdened by the rules and by the steps and by all the things you have to remember and all the things you got to keep in mind. You just can't be effective. Legalism micromanages you. It just keeps you from doing anything. Yesterday, we were here for our outreach thing, and I, I was reminded of a story, again, a little going off script here a little bit, try to do this quick, but I, this is an important story, because legalism would keep me bound to this. It would keep me in guilt over this. But I want to share this little quick story, because this is it's, it's an important story. When I was in high school, I mean, having been a Christian for 40 years, when I was in high school, I knew about sharing my faith with people. There was a guy that I sat with. We'd sit in classes together. We were friends in school. We didn't hang out all the time, but we were good enough friends in school. We sat together. We joked around a lot. We, we spent time together in school. We, we did a lot. I never shared my faith with him. Two years after we graduated, he committed suicide. I live with the fact that I never shared my faith with a guy. And, and to me, it's one of those things that I go, I never want that to be my story ever again. Now, I felt guilty for that for a long time. And I had to bring this with God. And God had to, God's forgiven me. But legalism would keep me guilt bound by that, that I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. I haven't done enough. And I haven't, and I still, today, you know, I, I look at it from the perspective of, you know, I am going to, whenever the Holy Spirit puts someone on my heart I got to go talk to, I'm going to do my very best to go and make sure I talk to them. Because I don't ever want to see that happen again. Right. Because like Pastor Josiah shared last week, this is such an important thing that our freedom is not a freedom for us to go do whatever we want. Our freedom is a freedom for us to go and serve others, to go and share the good news with others. 
how are we supposed to know uh, uh, how are we supposed to know which of these rules we're supposed to obey? Which ones are uh, apply to us? Which ones are we allowed to bend? Which ones? Wouldn't it be nice if we had the map, the GPS, that helped us navigate everything in life? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. If we read a little further in Romans, it goes on and it says this, Romans 7, 25. It says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable, unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. And what's really interesting about this, Jesus said that he would send, that the Father would send us help. In John 14, 15 to 17, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Now, the word uh, advocate there in the original language is actually parakleton, and some translations actually, in some Bible translations will actually label that as helper. And at the end there where it says, he leads into all truth, the word all there in the original Greek, do you know what that word is in the original language? It's, it's a super complicated word, that translation word all, super complicated, it means all. Actually, my favorite translation of it is all the things. We can only be, we can only stay free from this trap of legalism. We can only stay free from this idea that I have to somehow be enough or good enough or whatever. We can only stay free from that by the power of the life-giving spirit. That's it. But how does he do that? How do we be free from that? A little further down, it says in John 14, 26, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. He's going to direct you. This is the thing. When you have the Holy Spirit speaking to you, he's going to teach you. He's going to remind you. He's going to send you in the right direction. When he teaches and reminds, that's him telling you, turn left, turn right, go do this, go do that. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. That's sound like a GPS, maybe. Yeah, right. Right. You can start trusting him today. And and what's interesting about this is when you do start listening to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that ditch of legalism isn't a problem. Even the ditch of license isn't a problem. Because he keeps you on that narrow road, right in the center. He keeps you right where you need to be. As you listen to him, 
boy, he takes you in the right direction. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to take you into some things where you're going to be like, hmm, God, I don't want to do that. Like when I was there and he's telling me, don't go into that, don't go into his office. And I'm like, no, I want to go into his office and don't go into his office. No, I'm going to do it. Right? And we have to learn how to listen. But when we do, boy, is it a good place to be. We don't end up in the ditch. I'm going to close with just this one little story here. Uh, a couple months ago, I was, I'd been praying, and, and I, I just, I was on the couch in my living room, and I stood up, and I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you, like, what do you want me to do? And I literally just finished saying the sentence, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And my phone buzzes, and my brother-in-law is texting me. And he's saying, hey, Noel, do you have a few minutes? Can we chat? And <laughs> so <laughs> this was on family day. And I, I looked at it, and I, I just knew immediately that I need to go take my brother-in-law for coffee. So I said to, I said to my wife, I said, I, I, I think I need to go take my brother-in-law for coffee. I think I, I think I need to go for a little bit. So, And my wife, the wonderful woman she is, she recognized right away exactly what I was saying. And she said, yep, go for it. And I said, I'll try to be back by 5. So I went. I picked him up. And uh, we drove around, and I'm like, I don't even know where to go for, to take him for coffee. But I drove around, and it just kind of plopped in my head. I'm going to go to this one coffee shop that was relatively near his house. There's other coffee shops closer to his house, but I had this one come up in my head. So I thought, oh, I'll just go there. And so we stopped there. We get out, and we sit down in the coffee shop, kind of in the back. There's another little door in the back that's kind of a back door. You can go into that coffee shop. We're sitting near that door. And he asks me, actually, interestingly, about tithing. He's asking me about tithing. He and, his, he and my sister are having this conversation about tithing and about, you know, why not. And they're uh, intense fellowship about tithing, if you will. And, uh, and he, I'm, I'm explaining to him that, you know, when, when Steph and I were younger in our marriage, we decided early in our marriage that when it came to tithing, if we were down to the last $100, and it was tithe or groceries, we were gonna tithe because God would take care of the groceries. Like that was our philosophy and we've had that all the way through our marriage and God has never failed to make sure that groceries were on our, our, like never failed, he's never failed. So I'm telling, we talked for about 45 minutes, half, yeah, 45 minutes. My brother-in-law talked about this. And while we're talking about this, like we've, we finished having this conversation and while we start, we start talking about motorcycles. And we're talking about motorcycles, and while we're sitting there talking about motorcycles, somebody walks through this back door, they go over and grab their drink from the counter, and as they're walking out, it's this lady, she walks back, she stands at the door for a second, she looks over at us, and she says, you two are believers, aren't you? We're talking about motorcycles, I don't know where she gets this from. You two are believers, aren't you? Yeah. She says, my husband and I used to be pastors here in Kelowna but we haven't been in church. We got hurt by several churches. And she says, we haven't, she just says this on her own. We haven't tithed in years and our lives are a mess. I just finished telling my brother-in-law about all this stuff about tithing and she starts saying this. And, and so I said to her, I said, well, would you like us to pray for you? And so uh, she says, well, my husband's out in the, in the, in the, 
car. And so we look out and, and I said, well, would you like us to go outside and pray together? So she gets her husband out of the car. We all step out and, and we didn't want to interrupt other people in the coffee shop. So we step out on the sidewalk. It's February 14th. It's a little chilly out, but we're, whatever, we're going to pray with them. We start talking to them. They start telling us all of the things. Like I had just finished telling my brother-in-law how God had, had like through our tithing, how God had blessed us through all of our tithing they start telling us all the exact opposite. How that through stopping tithing, their lives had gone downhill. All on their own. I could not have set this up at all, ever. (laughs) My brother-in-law, his mother, he's just like, what is going on? I just said, I said, you you will not believe, I just finished talking to my brother-in-law about this exact topic. And he's like, it's true, it's true. We ended up praying with them and they were so blessed. We had such an awesome time of, of bringing healing and blessing over them. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides and leads and takes you. And he's the one who has that GPS and, and puts you where you are. And if you can listen to him, he'll take you on these incredible journeys and point you in the right direction. He'll put you in front of people that you had no idea needed to hear what you had. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.